0: In the previous Mishnah, we learned about the property of a woman who has received Kedushin or Nisuin from a particular man and whether she is able to sell that property or not. And according to the conclusion of the previous Mishnah, the only property which she is not able to sell, meaning even if she sells it, the sale will be invalid, is property which she received after the Nisuin. So from the moment she received it, the husband already had the right to the pay race. the products and benefits from her property, and therefore she has not got the right to sell it, since that would be depriving her husband of the pay raise of the field. Now, the Gemara explains that the Chachon actually retracted and changed their opinion, and later said that even if she received or inherited that property before the Nisuin, or even before the Kiddushin, when she was totally single, if she sells it after the stage of Nisuin, then her husband has the right to take back that property from the people who bought the property, because she has no right to sell it after the stage of Nisuin. Irrelevant of the fact that she received it before she was even an arusah to this man before she even received Kedushin from him. Now Rabbi Shimon agrees, however, according to Rabbi Shimon, there is an exception. Rabbi Shimon, bin chosim bin chosim, Rabbi Shimon distinguishes between different types of property. The property which is known to the husband. The husband knows already that his wife inherited this property. Like Timkar, she may not sell it. And if she does go ahead and sell it or gives it away, then that sale is invalid because she would be depriving her husband of the pay rise. So he has a hold on that property which prevents her from selling it. So far, Bishon agrees with the Chachomim. However, property which is not known to the husband, he doesn't know that his wife even has that property, like Timko, she's not allowed to sell it, however, if she does go ahead and she sells it or gives it away even after the nesuin, the sale is valid. And there are various interpretations and explanations given for this Difference. some explain that before he even knows about the property, he has not acquired that hold on the property. He has rights over the property, and those rights prevent her from selling the property. But those rights only begin once he knows about this property. Just like in order to acquire something, one requires knowledge and intent to acquire it. The same goes for the rights on a property. And so if he doesn't know about the property at all, so he has not yet acquired those rights over the property, which would prevent her from selling it. Mr. Gilmore, we learnt earlier on in the sixth Perec that when a woman inherits something which is not property, she needs to use that to buy property, to buy land, and once it is in land form, so then her husband can benefit from its pay rise. Now this is not only for the benefit of her husband, for her also it's better to have property than to have cash, especially in those days the coins would wear out very quickly, and they would go down in value, but once you would spend it on land, so its value would stay, and also it would produce pay rice for her husband's advantage. So the Mishnah says, if a woman inherits money, once they're already fully married, land should be brought with that money, and he would eat the pay rice, the products of that property, for example, if it's a field, so he would eat the fruit of the trees, as per the rights of a husband over his wife's property. If she inherits produce which has been detached from the ground. So although you could argue that this is considered to be pay-rice, so her husband would be able to take this itself, that is not the case because since since the item which she inherited itself is the produce which has already been detached from the ground, so that is considered to be the item itself. When we're talking about pay-rice, we're not talking about literal produce, literal fruit. We are talking about the products and the benefit which comes from a particular item or property. So, if she inherits fruit, so the fruit are not considered to be pay rice. The product of the fruit will be pay rice. But since, of course, the fruit itself will not produce anything else, land should be bought with those fruit rice, and then he would eat the real pay rice. Pay rice meaning products and benefits which come as a result of that property and produce which is attached to the ground. So this time the woman inherits let's say a field and within that field are fruit growing. So on the one hand the fruit are part of the inheritance itself so they shouldn't be considered to be products of the inheritance which she receives and therefore the husband will not be able to take these directly and they'll need to sell them for land and then he'll take the pay rise of the land. But on the other hand in this case, the fruit are coming and growing from something else. She inherited both the land and the fruit. So one could argue that just like after they take away these fruit, as soon as new fruit start growing, that certainly is considered to be rice. So since these fruit are in exactly the same form, growing from the same thing, they would be considered to be rice products of the main body of the field which she is also inheriting. And so about this, Rimeir and the Chachomim argue according to Bimeir, it is not considered to be Peiris because she inherits it itself. She's inheriting those fruit, and therefore we measure and evaluate the value of her field, how much it's worth together with the fruit, and how much it's worth without the fruit, The v'hamaysar, and the remainder, meaning the difference between the two values, which of course is the value of the fruit. Land should be bought with it and he'll eat the peirase from the land. So contrary to Mary, we have to convert the fruit into real land and only the peirase from there would belong to the husband. Produce which is attached to the ground at the time of the inheritance, since it is coming from the ground, it's considered the benefit from there and a product of that, and therefore it would already belong to the husband then and it would have the status of peirase. Whereas the Chachon do agree with the Rebbe Meir, and the Tanakama that vatelush produce which is already detached from the ground, according to everybody, is not considered to be peirice, since she inherited it separately from other ground. And therefore, Shaloi belongs to her v'yelokach b'en karka v'hoorcha and land should be brought with it, and he will eat the peirice of that land says, A place where the husband's power and rights are strong at the beginning of their marriage, when he brings her into his house, meaning regarding fruit which belonged to him at the beginning of the marriage, or even throughout the marriage if she inherits it, during the marriage. So again, property which she inherits during the marriage, where the husband's rights are strong, meaning where he would own that part. And what that's really saying is that it's considered to be pay and therefore it's considered to be the husband's already. So property which she inherits during the marriage, which would be considered to be pay rice, his power and rights would be bad and weak upon divorcing her. Meaning that same type of property, if it is in that state when they divorce, when he divorces her, then he would not receive it. And Abishun sure will go on to explain. Whereas McClendish said, a place and a type of property for which his rights are weak, and it would not be considered to be his, meaning it's not considered to be pay if she inherits it during their marriage. His rights and strength would be strong if the property is in that state when the time that he divorces her comes. So what on earth is Mishon talking about? So he explains, Karaka. <inaudible> produce which is attached to the ground, whilst he is married to her if she inherits it then, so shaloi, they would belong to him, because they are considered to be peris, so that goes according to the opinion of the Chacholim in the previous Mishnah. That produce which is attached to the ground is considered to be peris and therefore belongs to him. However, Rabbi now argues with the Chachammer of the previous Mishnah because he says Uvitzi Asa, and when he divorces her, if there are any, is there, if there is any produce which is still attached to the ground, still attached to her fields when it comes to him divorcing her, shallah that belongs to her. Of course, when she is divorced, she takes back her property. And according to Rishimun, anything which is still attached to the property, she also takes back. The right of her husband to the payrolls is as long as they are married, the payrolls which are growing on her property, he is allowed to take. But as long as they're still attached to her property, he hasn't yet taken them, and they still belong to her. And therefore, when he divorces her, she would take back the property, the field, together with whatever is still growing on it. On the other hand, and regarding the following part, Rishon agrees with the Chachon again. When it comes to produce which is detached from the ground, if she receives it, whilst she is married to him, it belongs to her. According to everybody, it's not considered to be pay race. Since it's not attached to the ground, so she inherited that item itself. So she would need to buy land with it. And then the produce of the land is considered to be pay raise, which the husband would be able to have. Ulvitsi osa, and when he divorces her, so now they've been living for a long time, and throughout the marriage, produce has been growing on the fields and the husband has been taking it, and certainly, once he has taken the fruit off the ground, it belongs to him. So if he took fruit off the ground, and then he hasn't yet eaten it, and he divorces her. So certainly that produce is considered to be his now, because he has already taken it off the ground. And therefore, Shalloi it will belong to him, so she would take back the land itself, and he would be able to keep the produce which he has taken off of the land. Mishnah, hey, this Mishnah brings a couple of exceptions, at least according to some opinions, where if one's wife inherits something, he cannot force her to sell it in order that he benefit from its pay raise. If elderly male or female non-Jewish slaves fall to her as an inheritance from her father, let's say she has no brothers, there are no other inheritors who have precedence over her, so she ends up inheriting her father's um, slaves. And they're old, so they're not so fit for working anymore and they are very likely to die very soon, and it's not really worth their while keeping these slaves. So according to the Tanakama, just like with everything she inherits, which doesn't produce benefits, Yimohru the husband can sell them in order that they benefit from this inheritance. And then land can be bought with the money which they get from selling the slaves. And then he'll be able to eat pay rice from that land. However, He cannot force his wife to sell it. Because the slaves, who are very elderly now, they represent the glory of her father's household. They've been part of her family for many, many years. And they do show off their wealth, partly and so if she does not want to sell them, then he cannot force her to do so, even if it means he will benefit less from that inheritance. On a similar note, If old olive trees or vines fall to her as an inheritance from her father, according to the the husband can force her that it be sold for wood, since the trees themselves can't really be used for so much, they don't produce very much oil, olives or grapes, so they can be sold for their wood, and then they can use that profit to buy land from which the husband will be able to eat rice. However, Abiyahuddha says, just like what Rabbi Shimon Gamaliel said earlier, Le Timkar, he cannot force her to sell them, because they represent the glory and the stature of her father's household. Continues the Mishnah, one who spends money on his wife's property, so we're talking about nixi meloig, which are essentially her property, from which he is allowed to eat pay rice, and he spent money improving her field. He figured that that way it would produce more pay rice, he would gain, his wife would also gain, in that she would have a better quality field, so he spent money and invested in that field. Whether he spent a lot on it and only ate a little bit of pay race, or kim'ah, if he spent a little bit on the field with Harbe, and he ate a lot of pay race from that field, if he decides to divorce her, he cannot be compensated on what he spent on the field, even if he didn't end up gaining as much as he planned on gaining from it. And similarly, if he ate a lot of payrolls and didn't invest a lot in the field, his wife can't claim from him any compensation. The money which he spent investing in the field, he spent. now what she ate, he ate neither one of them can claim compensation from the other. However, if if he spent money investing in the field and he didn't eat anything, he didn't eat any of the pay rice, so then if he's now coming to divorce her, he can make a shavua, an oath, on how much he spent investing in the field, and he can take that back as compensation, as long as it did end up improving the field, what he spent, so he increased the value of her field that didn't gain from it at all, so we assume that he only did so with the mind that he would benefit from it, and therefore he does have the right to compensation, and whatever he spent on the field he may take back in money form, and her field would be left with that higher value.